We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Hello, everyone. I'm Dave Martinez, and I'll be your host for this episode of the Run ATL Podcast, brought to you by Big Peach Running Company. Yes, we gave Mike the week off, but not entirely, as you'll hear coming up later in this episode. So whether you're running on the road, staying indoors on the treadmill, stationary bike, or elliptical, I'll be right there with you to get you through your workout. Now, last week, you know, we had a special and unscheduled episode as we got a chance to interview Rob Jones as he was making his way to Atlanta on his journey to do 31 marathons in 31 days. Now, we were able to join Rob for about six of those miles this past Wednesday, and we also had some of our team members join in and a great crowd that was able to join in um, throughout Rob's 26.2 miles. We had a bit of rain before the start, and we were a little concerned that you know the weather may deter uh, some from coming out, but that was certainly not the case. We had an enthusiastic group to kick things off. We'd like to thank everyone that came out throughout the morning and early afternoon. A lot of credit goes to Jenny Cohn and Mary David that did a majority of the heavy lifting and organization for this day. A special shout out to Fitwood Jim for hosting this event, Chick-fil-A at Petrie and Collier Road for providing breakfast, Shane's Rib Shack for lunch, the Georgia State Patrol for providing an escort to Rob on his way up to Charlotte, and also Shane's Rib Shack not only provided food for Rob and the participants, they also donated $10,000 that will go to Wounded Veterans Charities. So if you missed it, you can check it. Um, check out all the photos on Facebook. Um, I'll also include a link in the show notes to a YouTube video I put together from that morning. Once again, the Atlanta community came out in full force, and we're grateful for your participation. And then on Saturday... Rob completed his journey uh, in D.C. with a total of 812.2 miles in one month. That is phenomenal. Congratulations, Rob. It was a pleasure meeting you and your wife, Pamela. This was truly inspiring for all of us, and it was an honor and privilege to be a part of it. Now, as I mentioned, we gave Mike the week off, but not entirely. You see, this week... We not only put Mike in the interviewee seat, we also put our other owner, Steve DeMoss, in the hot seat as well. Coming up in a few weeks is Small Business Saturday. Now, this day was created by American Express, and it always follows Black Friday. It's a way to promote you know, small and local businesses like Big Peach Running Company so that we're not entirely forgotten during the madness of holiday shopping and crazy discounted prices. To put things into perspective, According to the Small Business Administration, small businesses have created 64% of new jobs over the last 15 years in the U.S. Now, I'm no expert, but with those statistics, small businesses are important to our economy, especially our local economy. Now that you have a little bit of a background, we thought our listeners might be interested in not only getting to know a bit more about our owners, Mike and Steve, but also how did Big Peach you know, get its start over 13 years ago? So keep listening and working out. We'll bring you our feature conversation with Mike and Steve right after this break. Do you hear that? 
The trails are calling and you must go. You deserve a runcation this spring, so why not join us on April 20th through the 22nd for this all-inclusive getaway designed for hikers, trail runners, mountain lovers, and outdoor enthusiasts alike. Experience a relaxing weekend full of trails, award-winning food, luxurious accommodations, local libations, and a great time with your Big Peach Running Company host. Whether you're a new or experienced trail runner, you'll have a great time. Go to bigpeachrunningcode.com forward slash spring dash break for all the details. Come on out and enjoy the trails. We'll take care of the rest. All right, welcome back. This is definitely a treat. It's not that often that we get to have both of you sit down because you're both so busy and you're working on various aspects of the business. And while I know both of you, uh, I'm sure I'm going to have the opportunity to know you a little bit better during this episode. This is this is really cool, D2. I kind of like. I'm very comfortable on this this side of the mic. This is fun. Thanks for doing this. I'm not. I'm actually kind of nervous. So if anyone, yeah. So basically, here I am interviewing my bosses, you know, for for a podcast. So uh, yeah, it definitely got a little bit warmer in here. Um, <laughs> we'll turn so, the fans on. Yeah. So um, so first of all, I think you know our, our listeners should probably get to know a little bit about um, both of you. So first of all, let's talk about your athletic backgrounds because I think if someone were to meet you for the uh, for the first time, they would um, probably think of you as runners and that you've been running your whole life. So Mike, what is your background? Were you always a runner? So no, I wasn't. And you're right. I think one of the things that's most surprising, oftentimes about the Big Peach Running Company story is that Steve and I didn't come out of this elite running background. The background really for Big Peach Running Company has to do with serving the marketplace and and wanting to be better ourselves. I was a team sports guy growing up. I played a lot of baseball, ultimately found my way in both baseball and tennis and cycling. And when I moved to Atlanta in 1994, came as a cyclist at the time, certainly there have been a tremendous amount of improvements in and around Atlanta for cyclists, but it just wasn't the most bike-friendly community. I was also traveling a lot for work. Taking my bike with me was not an option, and I started running and just absolutely fell in love with it. Before you knew it, because of my travel schedule, I had the good fortune of doing races around the country. And even prior to the onset of Big Peach Running Company, when I was writing the business plan, literally saw about 300 running stores from California to Connecticut because of me having this personal passion for the sport of running and this genuine interest in being in the running industry. But outside of a race, when I was in seventh grade, I did a Bix seven-mile race in Davenport, Iowa as a seventh grader because I thought, well, as a seventh grader, if I can run seven miles, that would be quite an accomplishment and it certainly wouldn't hurt my baseball skills. Went out and did it and literally could not walk the next day. I was so sore. Of course, I've had that replicated a couple of times as an adult, biting off more than I can chew. But Running for me has always been about trying something new and seeing if I can make myself just a little bit better. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's many people, and I include myself, that have taken and bitten off more than we can chew. I know that I've run, you know, 5Ks with very little training only to regret it <laughs> later that day yeah. uh, and barely be able to move around. And for me, I'm still amazed. You, you mentioned before, you know, when we uh, discussed you being a cyclist, and I just can't picture you as a cyclist. I, I just, you on a bike is just something that I've never been able to picture, and, and I would love to see that and maybe be able to, uh, you know, get you on a bike one day. Oh, my goodness. That would not be good for me. You would have to go slow or just meet me at intersections because I'd be way behind. <laughs> so Steve, what about you? Where did you get your athletic you know, start? So I, I was decidedly not a runner. Um, in fact, the people who knew me when I was young 
are stunned to even know that not only am I a, uh, a runner, but I work in the running industry. And so that that's just like a, a total stunning shock to them because uh, I used to, I was, I was the person that everybody would laugh at and say, that's how not to run. I mean, that, you run whether you say it's running like you've got a, a, a piano on your back or, or whatever it is, you know, I, that running was, was not something that was natural to me and was is not something I enjoyed at all when I was a kid. Although I will say that I wanted to enjoy it. I, I thought it looked cool. Every time I tried it, it was just a massive struggle. But I was a swimmer. Uh, so I swam from eight years old through 20-something years old and uh, swam a lot, obviously. And through swimming, discovered triathlon in the off-season and maybe similar to, to Mike over here. Uh, uh, the swimming was no problem. I could swim uh, all day long. I loved the bike part of it. It was just it was passionate about the bike. But in order to do a triathlon, you also got to have that little run there at the end. So <laughs> I figured I figured I'd better better practice, uh, better start getting into this running thing at least a little bit. But it was it was a massive massive struggle. But it was through triathlon that I discovered running, and of course uh, now would consider myself uh, running to be my my primary passion and also similar to Mike because of its convenient. It is just so darn accessible. It travels better than any other sport I've ever uh, encountered. And uh, it, it goes anywhere in any weather, any time of day. We've seen the light. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, and, and I think, you know, I'm a cyclist as well. And I think that's where I first started. You know, cycling was more for recreational and even just uh, to get in, in shape. But these days, and I know with traffic and, you know, just, you know, just the dangers of being on the road you know i've i've kind of pulled myself back and 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 you know i still enjoy uh cycling and and on the road um there's something uh there's something great about feeling the wind and just going fast you know sure. or the idea that you're flying and that you think you're fast because i'm not really that fast um but there's always that danger so i i uh i'm, I'm i think we all choose running i think because it seems to be maybe a little bit safer especially when you go off-road now we're all about the same age we're we're actually i think true. all in the same age group and i have done races with you mike and i've done races with you steve and you know you guys are pretty fast i can't keep up with you guys i mean if we were going out on a casual run yeah sure you'd ease it back a little bit but have you guys ever raced against each other so we've done a few races together but i think we've always felt like it's it's both and again i came to running i think a little bit more seriously sooner than what stevie d did and as a result i think if we look at the races that we've done together they're longer distances i remember we both did a marathon in Bar in, in birmingham around the olympic trials way back in 2008 certainly there are ultras that we've we've done together and even though it'd be easy for me to say well did you finish ahead or behind of steve i think quite frankly those were more my ideas to go out and do it and I have not gotten in the water or done a triathlon. So I think as a pure runner, I'm probably a little bit faster right now. Mike's Mike's a humble man. So <laughs> Mike is way faster than I am and always has been. And uh, and, and he, I also think that it's quite possible, with the exception of the big seven-miler in seventh grade, which that's that's solid. In seventh grade, if you told me to run seven miles, I'd have said, give me a week. But uh, um, uh, I think I actually probably came to running before him because I was doing uh, triathlons and running when I was still in high school and uh, crossed over to that. So I think I probably have more uh, experience with him. And yet I am uh, decidedly, uh, we, we've never really raced. We've been in races together, but I wouldn't say that we've raced. <laughs> <laughs> We're partners. We're not out there trying to determine who, and not to say that there's 
not a competitive my, uh, my humble, to Big Peach Running Company. Mike's a humble man. The, re- the reason we haven't raced is because it really wouldn't be much of a race. <laughs> Unless we also okay. throw in a swim I, right, right. and a bike. If we yeah. threw in a triathlon or a swim or a bike or we, we shorten the run distance, I'd be in it's, real trouble. It's quite yeah. all right because that has not lessened my enjoyment <laughs> of being out there uh, at the event with him one bit. Well, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I've, I've done races with both of you, and I don't think I've ever really truly felt like you know, I was racing against you guys because uh, it would be no competition. I, I, I do recall, uh, I think one of the first times I ended up uh, actually doing a race was at an uh, Olympic uh, triathlon. It was Tugaloo several years ago, and Steve was out there. I didn't even know you were competing because you were kind of manning the, 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 the table and the booth that we had because we were sponsored there. And, you know, Steve's out on the course, you know, and I, I see him, I think, at the start, and then I don't see him until at the end. And when I got done... Steve's at the booth, you know, like he never left. He's all dressed and changing clothes. And afterwards, I look at the results. I'm like, he won the race. He's well, I don't know. He didn't win, but as far as the age group, I mean, he finished probably a good 30 to 45 minutes before I did. So he had plenty of time. Um, but you know, we've all done triathlons. You know, Mike, I know you've done an Ironman. Steve, have you done an Ironman? Yeah, I did. So I, uh, in fact, one of my my well, the story of how Mike and I met. Is, is I just I love telling this story and, and uh, not that many people have heard it but um, I remember it well because it was the year I did Iron Man and it was also the year Mike did Iron Man and he and I are both are one and dones and um, not by design for me it's just kind of the way that you know life life played out uh, at this point and maybe someday I'll find my way back there who knows but um, it was in 2001 I did Iron Man Canada which is in late August, at least at the time was in late August. And I was working at a marketing agency and and, uh, at the time my sole client was Coke and part of my job was business development, which is a fancy way to say, go out and find new business. So anytime I had a chance to talk to somebody new at the Coca-Cola company, that was a chance to go out and uh, uh, find some new business. So I was, uh, the folks that I was working with, my my clients said, said, you know, there's this guy couple floors down who's who's doing uh iron man florida later this year and it's his first ever triathlon <laughs> i thought wow i mean that's that's impressive just to jump in you know i've never done a triathlon before i'm gonna do iron man and i thought this guy's out of his mind but so be it he's crazy obviously but i uh, i thought but it's a great chance for me to come in and, and and meet somebody and potentially get some business so I, uh, I went down and Mike, as he said, traveled all the time. So like after about six weeks of trying to figure out what, what on earth his schedule was when he would be there. And I was there five days a week. So it wasn't like it was tough for me to try to track him down. He was just never there. I finally, I finally caught him and, and we talked and hit it off right away and, you know, found that we not surprisingly had a lot in common. So after, you know, maybe 30 minutes of conversation, I said, so, you know, I hear you're doing your first ever triathlon in Ironman, Florida. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like you're you're ready? And I expected him to like maybe be looking for some tips or some advice. He goes, "Well, you know, I should be okay. I did Western States Hundred earlier this year, and at that point, I was like, oh, well, that's a bit of detail that was left <laughs> out to me. Like that, that changes the whole perspective. Of course, you're going to be fine at Ironman Florida coming off of the Western States Hundred. So that was uh, that was the first time Mike and I met." And we did. We had a ton in common, and obviously our families are very similar. Our interests are, are very similar. But it was kind of cool to have that kind of conversation in a place like a Fortune 100 company because that's not the type of conversation you just have with someone on a regular basis. There's just not that much shared interest in that type of activity. So it was, it was super cool. And 
Ironman Florida, still to this day the only triathlon I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting that we've all have experimented a little bit, and um, you know, you know, well, Mike, you've only done one and done you know one triathlon. It and was Ironman. Indeed, I'm fine with that. I don't have this <laughs> prospect. I don't think in my future of returning to. Well, that's probably the only the only thing I have uh, on you guys is that I've done two, and I do have that kind of like at some point down the road I will do another one. I haven't, you know, don't know when that's going to be. It's just whenever that bug, you know, hits. Maybe when I reach a certain age or something like that, it'd be like, oh, to meet this milestone, I think I need to, you know, do another uh, Ironman. But we've all gotten into ultras as well, and you just mentioned, or Steve mentioned that you had done Western States 100, which I think that's pretty impressive. Um, I couldn't even think about doing a hundred. Steven, what's the longest distance that you've done? Um, uh, I've done uh, a couple fifty milers. Okay. Um, so I haven't yet been able to get my head around a hundred miles either, and that may may never happen, or maybe someday it will happen. Who knows? Well, he says a couple of. We talk about being humble or whatever. He says a couple of fifty milers, and you mentioned it for Tugaloo. He likes to stay under the radar. Yes. It wasn't until <laughs> after. I mean, the race had started in Blue Ridge, the Cruel Jewel fifty miler that. I hear he's out there. I mean, he tells no one. He just shows up, total stealth, and then goes out and crushes it. Well, exactly. And that's one of the things. I mean, both of you are very humble. I mean, you have all this background as far as, you know, from and all these distances, but you're very humble. You, you, you're, um, you know, Mike would go out and he's like, he could crush a competition, win a race, and it's like, you don't even really hear about it. You don't even know about it unless you're there and know that Mike did it. Steve, same thing. We found out, you know, I think because someone else had mentioned, like, oh, yeah, Steve's out there. I was like, what do you mean Steve's out there? And, you know, Steve's out there racing. He's, like, less than a mile from your house and didn't even tell you that he was going to be in town and doing, you know, a 50-miler, which I thought was, uh, you know, once again, being kind of under, under the radar. And that's kind of what you guys are. It's like it's your athletic accomplishments don't define who you are. It's just something that you guys do. And that's something I think that – you know, is one of the things that appeals and why I feel so, you know, comfortable around being, you know, around both of you because you've got done some amazing things. I can't imagine doing a 100 mile, let alone Western 100, because it's such a, in the ultra community, that's like, that's huge, right? Um, but you've done it and, and you're just so down to earth and easy to kind of, um, you know, talk to. And I think anyone that came into uh, our stores would, wouldn't feel intimidated by having a conversation with either of you. So, here you are, you know, you're kind of, you know, doing these races, working, you know, at, at, at you know, because the Fortune 500 company, working Coca-Cola, um, and, and at this business, and all of a sudden, you know, you get this idea because you're passionate about running. I want to open up a running store. How did that come about? What was the, the, the inception? What was, how did you get into that frame of mind saying, okay, I'm going to leave a, you know, a job that I have, you know, you have, have a family, both of you were married and had kids. And saying, well, we're going to give it all up and start something brand new. That's pretty risky for anyone, you know, at any point in their, in their life to say, I'm going to quit everything I'm doing and start a new chapter and start this new journey. Take me and take our listeners through this process of how you decided to, to start this route. So for me, there were, there were two things, and even more so than the running per se or how much running I might have been doing, especially when I was traveling for work. But there were two things that happened. And, and while I was at the Coca-Cola company, I was there for seven years. It was an incredible blessing for me. The men and women with whom I worked were so smart and there were just so much access to things that, you know, quite frankly, most entrepreneurs might not be able to view or look at or perhaps even consider. And, 
in company of others that you're going to have things that you take away that you're just like, yes, that's that's the way things should be done. Or perhaps, no, I wouldn't make that same mistake. But, but between the resources and the men and women who were there, there were a couple of things that were hugely influential to me. And, and first was in the responsibilities I had a majority of the time that I was there, I was working with large retailers, certainly ones that most people in the United States have heard of, Walmart, CVS, Safeway, Kroger, a lot of retailers on a really big scale in a variety of different channels where non-alcoholic beverages were sold and sitting in the rooms with those men and women, not just from our team, but also from those organizations, I just came to have a real affinity for, well, why do people make purchasing decisions the way they do? Or what's going to make them want to shop at one place over another, or perhaps come back more frequently than what they had had thought of initially? And, and listening to that type of conversation on such a regular basis, I just felt pulled towards the retail side. So it really became a professional interest of mine in being in that retail sector. So that was certainly the first part of it. The second part of it was I was in this huge organization. When I went from a marketing agency that I was at over to the Coca-Cola company, there was a job that I aspired to. And quite frankly, I had my master's in sports administration. It was the director of worldwide sports, or it might have been a VP position, but it was a worldwide sports position so I could use my background and my interest in, in mostly professional, but also Olympic and recreational sports. And as I was at Coke, and as much as I was gone, and to your point, D2, having a family, whether it was the pressures that just come with being away from home, or whether it was some of the demands that would come to other things that were interesting to me, including my hobbies, like running, I got to this point where there was not a job at the Coca-Cola company I wanted. I didn't want that VP of worldwide sports position. People would say, well, gosh, you know, would you ever want to be in this particular spot, whether it's on the global side or, you know, a, a reload to Europe or somewhere else? And there's a sex appeal, I suppose, that comes with that. But eventually you get to a point in your life like, that's not me. That's not who I am. And it just wasn't who I was. And when I got to the point where I was like, there is not a position in this organization that has tens of thousands of jobs around the world that I aspire to, something needs to change. And so between wanting to be in retail and recognizing that there just wasn't a position that I aspired to, I knew I needed to do something different. And Big Peach Running Company was this realization that Atlanta at the time was hugely under-retailed in my opinion, in the specialty run world. I wanted to be in retail because that was my professional interest. And of course, a passion of mine had been running. So it was like, well, if it's under-retailed and there's this terrific intersection of my professional interests and my personal passion, why not? And yeah, there was a risk and I had young children and my wife thought I was crazy. And my dad as an attorney thought, you can't write something that is going to have enough protection for you to really want to do this unless you're just willing to admit a little bit of lunacy. None of it mattered. I figured I could get back on my feet if it didn't work somehow, some way. And it's been, it truly, it's been a blessing. It's been a dream. So <clears throat> from the time you decided and came up with the idea, I'm going to open up my own running store mm -hmm. to the time that you actually opened up the door. I mean, what was the timing and the planning for that? How long did that take? So interestingly enough, and, and now I can kind of admit this over 10 years outside of the Coca-Cola company, which again was just an amazing asset for me for Big Peace Running Company. But because I was on the road so much and because quite frankly, much of what I was doing, I did really, really well. I was mostly unmanaged, right? So when I'm in a hotel room or when I'm on a plane, when I'm still working 70 hours a week for Coke, there's a lot of hours of the day I'm not with my family. Even if I get a 90 minute run in in the morning, I've got plenty of extra time. 
what many people would not estimate but is absolutely true. I walked out of the Coca-Cola company on May 7th in 2004, and we opened our doors on May 24th of that same month in the same year. So the lease negotiation, all the manufacturing agreements that we had to get in place, hiring, all that was done. Well, I still had the good fortune of collecting compensation from the Coca-Cola company, except for the last three weeks. And then of course, mm-hmm. at that point, I was kind of on my own and we got used to not having any income for a while. Wow, that's 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 pretty impressive to to, to go within a couple of weeks from you know, you know Coca Cola to opening a, a do, you know your, the store and 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 just well it was a it. few years in the making. I had started the business plan literally it's almost three years from when I first put the first couple of of uh, notes to the keyboard and started writing the business plan to actually. So it didn't happen particularly quickly. At the same time, when it was time to go, going from one part of my occupational journey to where we are now was was really was really tight mm-hmm. wow so steve at what point because i mean obviously you and mike had met through um through coca-cola and had done a couple races and talked triathlon at what point did you then decide i want to be part of big peach running company as well i, I like this idea i, I want to c- kind of come in because mike opened up the first store at the, in brookhaven and you opened up the second in marietta yeah, so Mike and I, um, you know, when when he was, you know, formulating the the vision for Big Peach, although I, I was I wasn't even aware of it until probably when he he was probably ninety percent down the road already at that point, and uh, it was something understandably that he kept under wraps. But I think you know after Big Peach was opened, the first store, you know, Mike and I would would run a lot and just a sort lot. of talk. Yeah. So talk, uh, that's, I mean, talk right exactly talk talk so yeah maybe just a, a small side sidebar on that so um, the, uh, the the parent company the business entity for Big Peach Running Company one of them is Soap Creek Enterprises of course if you're a trail runner in the Atlanta area you say hey is that the same Soap Creek that's part of the Chattahoochee National Recreation Area and the answer of course is yes and that was just in deference to the fact that Mike and I logged a lot of miles. And, uh, out there uh, is Sunday mornings usually, and uh, uh, you know, really kind of, I think, didn't know it at the time, but we're maybe to some extent formulating the, the the vision for the future of Big Peach Running Company, even though it wasn't intentional. It wasn't like let's go out and talk about how we're going to work together. It just sort of evolved that way over time. So, you know, you say, when did when did I decide to become part? I, I'll say. It's, it's what Mike asked. <laughs> so it was, I, I think, you know, probably within 24 hours, it was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, but and know, I that, thought this guy's as crazy perhaps as what I am because <laughs> I still remember that very clearly and thinking this, this is never going to fly. But I mean, we ran and ran and ran and talked and talked and talked. And at the onset, it was, you know, Steve still had access to these tremendous resources through his agency. I still remember him presenting me shopper data and maybe Coca-Cola got most of its information from agencies anyway but he still had access to this and and would present i'm like wow this is really really cool and then it got to the point i was like well what what do you think about coming on board and i remember even um today thinking this will never fly i mean this is kind of cool and it's it's fun to talk about at least i have the good fortune of being able to pick his brain and having him challenge me on things that i'm not thinking about correctly but he wouldn't really come aboard and i remember him come back and be like i'm in yeah you're careful what you ask for right? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, and, and 
so maybe just a little bit about it wasn't it wasn't as spur of the moment as that could make it sound but it the actual act of saying okay this is an opportunity should i do it was that quick but you know i had moved my uh my wife and i had moved back to atlanta years earlier we moved back in 99 this was probably i think this was 2005 when mike and i were uh uh, no, 2004. Mm-hmm. Five, I don't know. Well, it was five. Sure running long it would have been right. So it would have been. So it would have been 2005 when I think Mike and I uh, first decided. Okay, let's let's go into let's let's become partners on this. Uh, but the reason that we'd moved back to Atlanta was because I was in a job, sports marketing world, um, uh, up in Connecticut with a, one of the three, one of the top, one of the so-called big three sports marketing agencies, and. Uh, I was traveling and all my business that I was doing was uh, not in the community in which I lived. And one of the conclusions I came to as part of that job is that I want to live and work in the same community. I want to be a part of the community that I live in and I want my work to be involved with that community. And I didn't know exactly what that meant, but it was kind of interesting, you know, when the opportunity came up, it's like, wow, well, that certainly fits that description. I mean, there's no doubt about it, right? How could you... You know, and it's also blending passions and, and things like that. But it was a chance to really um, become a, a, a integral f- part of the fabric of the of the both the local community itself and the running community within the Atlanta area. So the first store opened up in 2004. When did the second store open up? Uh, so it was January of 2006. Okay. And I think, you know, there is, it's easy, and heck, now you mentioned D2, that we're all of the same age, and and this now is something that we can say pretty confidently, almost 20 years ago, even though Big Peach Running Company isn't quite near that particular age, that it just happens. I mean, Steve and I are working in in a field that I think some people would immediately say, oh, I gravitate towards that, sports marketing. It's easy to talk about top three sports marketing agency or a Fortune 100 company. It's easy to think, well, there's so much fun that can happen and so much latitude you might be given if you're traveling all the time and 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 certainly the accommodations that we had when we were traveling were were pretty solid but i think for all those who are in that that stage of their career development that we're not unique when all of a sudden you get to that point where there are just some things that matter more having more discretionary time doesn't mean you're not working i love and i know steve feels the same way i love to work a lot of my discretionary time is spent working Things like ultras and triathlons, whatever distance, those are hard. It's not like we're trying to avoid pain or avoid difficulty. But I think eventually you go from being either a certain age or at a certain point in your career to determining not what you think you want, but really wanting to maximize who you are. And whether it was Steve and what he just said about being a part of the community or me wanting to live at the intersection of what was both interesting to me personally and professionally, that outweighed anything else that might have been on the table for us and part of what made not just the first few years, but quite frankly, even these last few minutes, so sweet. No, I would agree. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I share probably a similar story as well. I mean, my, my background definitely wasn't in running. I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't an athlete and, and through various different experiences and, and career paths that I've taken, I ended up here and I feel the exact same way. You know, I'm, I mean, we were making far more money before you got here, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and working for a much larger company, but I'm much happier here doing what I feel I can contribute a little bit more. As I said, being connected to the community, being able to give of my time. 
uh, to support others, others' interests and, and their passion in, in athletic and in running and everything else. And to be able to promote that within the Atlanta community, to me, and, you know, is, is, is special, where I feel like I have a little bit of more purpose and feeling a little bit more fulfilled than I ever did in any other career where I was making a lot more money. So, Big Peach Company, two stores, and you know one of the things that that you know we have this at you know at all of our locations, and and, and individuals can you know they come to the store, we'll find it mounted someplace. It's what we call the promise, and there was a lot of thought given to it. And so you know it's three bullet points: constantly constantly deliver exemplary customer service and unparalleled product knowledge to all of our guests. Always provide our guests an environment that is inviting, comfortable, and fun, and continually be mindful of the privilege and responsibility we have to make our wonderful city a better place to live, work, and play. And that kind of sums up a little bit what you've said, but to put that you know, together, I mean, was that something that came about while you're out on Soap Creek and running trails? Is that something you guys sat down and just kind of hashed out? So there's three elements there, really, if you look at it and you go beyond the way that it's worded you know the first has to do with the team that you know what we call maybe in conventional retail terms a sales associate we refer to as our guest advocate that's the position title everyone at big peach running company including the three of us of course are guest advocates and that first part of the promise just indicates that's that element that we take more seriously than all others it doesn't take spending that much time inside a big peach running company location to determine how much there is to do from managing inventory to, of course, maintaining the physical environment to hosting group runs to putting details together so that you can publish it as part of the newsletter. There's a terrific amount that needs to be done, but that keeps us all as guest advocates grounded in our first responsibility. Secondly is, of course, to our guests themselves. And we genuinely believe that there are two massive buckets where everything tends to fall. Either the environment we provide for our guests or the interaction we have with our guests. And that second element in the promise just reflects that. It's the environment that we take so, 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 so seriously, but for one reason. And that is the enjoyment and ultimately just the comfort that our guests would feel anytime they're near or inside Big Peach Running Company. And then the last, we are a proud Atlanta area business. We recognize that we have the opportunity to what you said is fulfilling and satisfying to you, D2, to make an impact in and around this community that, quite frankly, would not happen if Big Peach Running Company wasn't here and doing the meaningful work we believe we're doing. So that's what the promise is. It's just this triangle of three critical components of our brand, and that is our team, our guests, and our community. I got a funny story about the promise. So okay. it was probably not not a week after the second store, the Marietta or East Cobb store opened, and Mike was spending a lot of time in there because I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, <laughs> so might have been two of us, so, right? Yeah. So he works with a guest who's in there, and I I was checking her out, and uh, he was kind of standing next to her and talking, and she looks at me. And she goes, and we had at the time, we had a small, real small version of the promise sitting right at the counter at, uh, at checkout. And she was reading it while I was probably stumbling through, figuring out how on earth to get her actually checked out, get the transaction completed. And uh, she looked up at me and she said, this, this promise thing is really nice. And then she looked at Mike and she said, you know, 
he really did exactly what that promise says. <laughs> and I looked back at her, I said, well, that makes sense since he wrote it. <laughs> and it meant that we should be doing what we're doing. Yeah. Well, um, I know you mentioned having trouble checking people out, and I, I think both of you still struggle with checking people out. True um, that. We've had we've, we've gone through a couple uh, different systems, but I know that typically you guys will uh, pass that on to someone a little bit more experienced. Um, one of the, you know, one of the things, and, and to me, I'm uh, you know when I first started, it was something that I, I read and everything, and it was in the, in the promise, the word guess. You know, coming outside of Big Peach Running Company, you just refer to them as you know a customer, but for Big Peach Company, Big Peach Running Company, you know, it's not our DNA to refer to those individuals that come into our stores as guests. Tell us a little bit how that came about, Steve. Well, I think. Um, I think you know a, a the concept of guest versus customer. You know, a cost. Literally, the definition of customer is someone to whom you sell an item, which is completely contrary to the philosophy at Big Peach Running Company, where we have a philosophy that we our job is to provide solutions and to educate and inform and inspire and motivate. And I could go on and on, but none of it includes selling. Um, so a customer is somebody who you would sell to, and that is a that is from some di- dictionary out there as a literal dictionary definition. Um, a guest is, of course, one who you would invite into your home uh, and uh, and have a much more meaningful relationship with, and uh, and and treat them uh, exactly as you would imagine you would treat a guest in your own home, and uh, and take take very good care of them, and. Uh, and listen and uh, understand what their needs may be and help them figure out a way to uh, find a solution uh, to best address those needs. So um, it is really a, 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 the concept of guest versus customer, I think, is, is it's, it's really neat because um, it is absolutely uh, uh, part of the internal vernacular at, at Big Peach Running Company. I mean, it, is, it, is, it is guests and we are guest advocates. And, and it starts with, you know, the way you know, people who start off at Big Peach when they go through training, it's it, that terminology starts uh, right from day one, and it, it really is pervasive throughout the organization is the idea of guest. Now, whether or not every time we do it, we stop and we consider what it means to call someone a guest versus a customer, you know, I, I don't know. But uh, but I do think uh, it's, it's neat to see that uh, be so pervasive internally at Big Peach Running Company. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those things for me that, you know, like I said, when I first started, I referred to those individuals as customers, but over time it became guests. And now I can't even go back to say customers. To me, it sounds very foreign, you know, because it is part of like, sure. Well, and what I would encourage everyone, especially those who are in their own business or have departments or teams to manage, is to actually go and look the word advocate up and, and really camp out on that definition. We don't talk about the fact that we're guest advocates. Of course, you know, now we're putting this out here in a relevant medium like a podcast, but it's it's just to kind of pile on to what Steve rightfully said about guest. But I actually believe advocate and the fact that we're guest advocates more than sales associates is even more indicative of who we are than referring to our customers as guests. Because Steve is, of course, right, and we have invited them into our home. And yet, if you look at the meaning of advocate, would you not want that to be the case for someone in your office, someplace where you shop, 
a restaurant where you elect to dine. And we believe it's absolutely the case, and that's the standard we need to hold ourselves to when we have the good fortune of serving others. No, that's that's great. I think that's important for, for us to remind ourselves of that uh, internally, um, because I do think it's it's not only a responsibility, it's a privilege to be able to have these so individuals true. come in. Yep, and that's why that term is part of part of our promise as well. It is a privilege yep. that we have. So one of the things I'm, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are unaware of is that we do have a nonprofit called Big Peach Outreach. What would you like to tell people about this program? So Big Peach Outreach is one of those things where we just acknowledge we have access to certain resources in a way that others do not. Maybe it's the fact that we can buy on wholesale. Maybe it's the fact that certain manufacturing partners of ours have goods that, quite frankly, they can't get rid of any other way than to just, you know, dump them on us in a manner that might suggest that we can use them productively. Perhaps it's the ability to interact with a lot of people over whatever period of time where they're going to have shoes that they know not what else to do with or that they want a clean space out of their closet and they're looking for a somehow useful way to put those shoes that aren't going to be in a closet much longer to use. And and this is our opportunity to connect that access to those who have a need but might not have the ability to get hold of that product. And sometimes it's a school perhaps with some compromised resources. Sometimes it's a family or a nonprofit. Obviously, there are bins for shoes at all of our locations that people can repurpose through us. And then there are other programs that Ann will work that have to do with uh, equipment that is brand new. Sometimes it's beyond footwear, just as the simple pleasure of putting on a fresh pair of socks is no different to us, even though we get maybe the good fortune of doing it on a weekly basis, that's something that we can share with others. And maybe it does help someone do something they wouldn't have because now they are truly a member of a cross-country team or a mom or a dad or a person of influence has the ability to get someone they care about to take their physical fitness routine a little bit more seriously or someone who otherwise wouldn't have the financial means can wake up and spend his or her day a little bit more comfortable. My goodness, if we have that type of access, why would we not want to share it? Mm -hmm. It's awesome. So last question. Big Peach Running Company has been around now for a little over 13 years. Where do you see Big Peach Running Company down the road? 10 years, 20 years, you know, how far down? Have you, do you have a vision? Have you looked you know, down and said, this is what you know, we envision Big Peach Running Company to be? Question for both of you. This is unrehearsed. I'm, I'm not even sure how, how, much, how much time we have left. Wow. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways I could take that. Stevie, do you want to take a crack at it first? Oh, is that a right, right. Yes. Oh, uh, so maybe I'll, I'll start by saying, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I have no idea what the world is going to look like in 10 years. I mean, there things are changing so quickly right now. I think uh, most people who are considered to be experts on this type of stuff will tell you that there's never been a time in, in the history of the human race where things are evolving and changing as quickly as they are right now. And the expectation is that that is only going to continue and get faster and faster, short of some event that would uh, would set everything back. Um, so it is it is a very challenging environment to look into a crystal ball five years, ten years, or more down the road, and say what what uh, what is relevant or what what you know what the world might look like and, and how Big Peach fits into that world. But having said that, um, you know I think one of the cool things now in having a decade plus of hindsight 
on Big Peach is that the basic tenets of Big Peach Running Company that it was founded on are every bit as relevant today as they were 10 years ago. And I truly believe that they will be every bit as relevant in 10 years as they are today. And that is the concept of guests, the concept of guest advocate, the, uh, the desire to make the community a better place, to, to share our passion and enthusiasm, to inspire and motivate people to take up what we like to call the pedestrian active lifestyle. I believe that those will still be completely and utterly, utterly relevant in, in a decade. And exactly, you know, the specifics of how those get communicated and delivered and, and manifested are, are, are very foggy and vague, uh, to me at least. Um, but I do believe that those principles and concepts will be uh, will be still the the core foundation. And uh, you know, once you once you have a, a vision and a foundation and a mission, and you're really able to define what matters to you um, and what is important, then you can adapt it to any environment. So I'm confident that it will be adaptable to any environment because I'm confident that those basic tenets will be absolutely relevant. I'm not so sure I could say anything that he didn't say or say it any better than what he just did. I mean, we could probably do an entire episode on things that we've learned and maybe even more robustly mistakes that we've made just as it relates to starting and and ultimately maintaining and having plenty of purpose and potential to grow a business. And so, yes, are there things that live on the annual or the vision plan that we still have to accomplish? The cool thing is, is everything that CBD said is is true. I know you believe that. Certainly the three of us here do. And, and so there's plenty of work still to be done. We enjoy it just as much as we used to. It is more challenging with 100 plus team members when the, than what it was when there was just one or two stores and you know a dozen team members. Um, but there's also opportunity and potential that doesn't come to consideration unless you have those resources. And quite frankly, one of the things that has always driven us is as we see people who are contributing to our business and our community in such a meaningful way, they of course wanna grow themselves. They wanna grow the knowledge and the acumen they have. They wanna grow the responsibilities that they're given. They wanna grow their compensation. So how do we enable that? How do we be sure that happens? So by that alone, we're gonna keep pushing at it and just like Stevie D said, we're going to feel really good about the fact that we are. All right. Well, you know, this has been awesome. I'm sure our listeners are, you know, got a little bit of a background and kind of a peek into both of, of the, you know, of you who started Big Peach Company, who, you know, at this point as a runner, someone who's, you know, been a runner now for, I'd say, maybe about 10 years and become familiar with Big Peach Running Company. I couldn't imagine the city of Atlanta without Big Peach Running Company. Um, so it's awesome to have both of you here because I know you're both very busy. I mean, it's hard to kind of coordinate schedules. I mean, we've got maybe about 10 minutes before we both, we yep. all three of us have different calls that we yep. need to go to and, 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 and meetings that we got. So I definitely appreciate you guys taking the time to kind of share a little bit about the history, the background of Big Peach Running Company. And, um, you know, just want to say thank you. So D2, I've said certainly on this podcast that we appreciate what you're doing, but uh, know that you've being across the table from us right now, as well as other members on our team who we have the good fortune of working with every single week. But there would be no Big Peach running company if it wasn't for the guest advocates, those of us here, all three of us very much are in that role, as well as those who are not here. But thank goodness our stores are open at this very moment, are taking care of our guests right now, as well as for this community that quite frankly shows the enthusiasm 
and has always responded in a way that makes this the funnest thing that somebody could hope to do. So thank you and thanks to everyone, whether you are listening to this for the first time and you're like, wow, this is a different kind of podcast or whether you've been one of our regular listeners. Again, we'll say it and we'll say it and we'll say it again and again and again. You are very much appreciated. Well, thank you. Indeed. All right. Well, we'll be right back after this short break. You've got the right shoe for you, but maybe you're still getting blisters and your feet aren't too happy. The source of your discomfort may be the socks you're wearing. Cotton is rotten. You need socks made from synthetic materials that wick away the moisture that can lead to blisters. Big Peach Running Company carries a variety of styles and brands, including Features, Balega, Swiftwick, and Injinji. Every sock is buy three, get one free. Mix and match brands and styles? It doesn't matter. You'll save 25% when you pick up four pairs of socks. Keep your feet happy and stock up on socks at Big Peach Running Company. Welcome back. Well, I hope you enjoyed getting to know Mike and Steve a bit more. And you can probably tell, I feel pretty lucky to be part of Big Peach Running Company. It's a great organization. I'm blessed to work alongside these great guys and call them friends. Now, as I mentioned, the reason we put them on the other side of the mic was because of Small Business Saturday, which is on November 25th. But I don't want you to feel like you have to come in and shop with us simply because we're a small business. Your money is important to you, and you should spend it wherever you want. But a Big Peach Running Company provides you great service, a warm and friendly and fun atmosphere. We would love to see you on November 25th, but also on the other 364 days of the year. Even if you just want to come in and tell us about a race that you just did or simply say hello, because we certainly appreciate all of you for inspiring us. We wouldn't be able to do what we do if you were not putting in the hard work on the road, the treadmill, or whatever physical activity you're passionate about. So thank you. Now, on a couple episodes ago, we made an announcement about our Big Peach Spring Break adventure with a special offer to our Run ATL podcast listeners. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a first-timer on the trails or have a bit more experience. All are welcome to join Mike and myself as we take you on some of our favorite trails in North Georgia. All you have to do is sign up. Our Adventure and Accommodations Advisor will contact you and just mention the Run ATL podcast for an extra $25 on your gift card. That's a total of $75 for you to spend however you like at Big Peach Running Company. We'll take care of everything else once you arrive. Now, unlike your college spring break, you'll be staying in a luxurious log home style cabin. Of course, what would spring break be you know, if, you, if we didn't include a trip to a brewery and a winery? There's so much more. So if you're interested, go to bigpeachrunningcoat.com forward slash spring dash break to find out more or to sign up. Now, it's time for our podcast payout question of the week. Now, this question was submitted by Kim WFT on Instagram. So I'm going to refer to her as Kim because I'm guessing that's her first name. So Kim's question is, what's worse, the heat, the hills, or the humidity? Best slogan ever, but which does a runner in first? So Kim, that is not an easy question to answer as there are many factors that contribute to doing a runner in. The good news is that none of these have to do a runner in if you're able to acclimate to the heat and the humidity and if you train for those hills. So let me just dive in a little bit more. So first you need to understand how the body works in regulating heat. When your body temperature rises while running, your body begins to sweat and it's the evaporation of the sweat off the skin that helps cool the body. 
this is um, one of the reasons you need to. Why, this is one of the reasons why we always recommend you wear clothing that helps wick moisture away from the body and to dry quickly. The body also sends more blood to your skin to help keep things cool. So think of it like your car radiator and engine. The closer to the surface, the cooler your blood as it returns back into your internal organs. Now, I was able to go and find an, and, uh, an article on active.com, and I'll go ahead and put a link to that in the show notes. And it goes into a little bit more of the science and, and uh, details into how heat and humidity can affect your know, running. So if we take a look at, how, uh, at, at just how heat can affect running, at 60 degrees, running pace is influenced by a 2 to 3% increase. So an average 8-minute mile pace jumps to 8-12 per mile. At 80 degrees, the effect is between 12 to 15% so that your mile pace becomes about a 9.06. When the temperature is between 90 to 105 degrees, runners can face heat exhaustion or heat cramps. At those temps, the body can't produce enough sweat or evaporate quickly enough to help cool you down. Now throw humidity in the mix and cooling becomes even more difficult. If there's more moisture in the air, it becomes even harder for the sweat in your body, body to evaporate. The combination of both can certainly do a runner in. Now, blood also goes into your muscles and it carries the nutrients that, that your body needs to power your run. And, and running you know, hills is going to require more effort and more blood. So the body then diverts that blood from the skin to your legs, which is going to affect your cooling and start slowing you down. So now you can understand why we use that slogan, combine all three, and it really becomes difficult to run in Atlanta. So there isn't just one of those uh, that can do a runner in. They're all uh, connected and can affect each other. But as I mentioned, it's not all bad news. You can acclimate to the heat and the humidity. It usually takes about two weeks to adapt. Hydrating before and during those runs will make it much easier to run in hot and humid environments, which is why we always recommend you run with a handheld water bottle during the summer months. And of course, the more you run hills, the easier they become, so training is definitely uh, important. So instead of fearing heat, hills, and humidity, use it as a mantra and remind yourself that those three challenges can be overcome with some consistent training and determination. So thank you, Kim. That was a great question and gave me an opportunity to brush up on my physiology. I'll connect with you so you can pick up your choice of running ATL shirt, including the new long sleeve or hoodie. Also, I'm going to give our listeners an exclusive announcement. We've got brand new Run ATL quarter zip pullovers arriving in the next couple weeks. This is the first time that we've had these and I got a chance to see some samples a couple days ago and I got to say, they look pretty sweet. I'm sure these will go quickly and they'll make great holiday gifts. And by the way, in case my friends are listening, I wear a size small. Just saying. All right. That's it, everyone. It was so much fun being your host and executive producer for the Run ATL podcast. I hope I did a good job going solo and that you enjoyed this episode. Mike will be back on the next episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, may your best miles be those covered on foot.